<laughs> Remember the first time I went to the studio, man? It was a little studio in Harlem. It was $25 an hour. And my man Whiskey was like, yo, just get like three hours. We should be able to do the song. I went to my mom and I was like, hey, mom, we to go to the studio and record this song. Me and the fellas, and I need $75. $75, I can get the song done. Yes, yes, y'all. One, two, one, two. This is a Guest in the House podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, David Tromdiggs Shanks, here with my brother. Mickey Hess. Professor Mickey Hess. <laughs> oh, man, we're back. You know, it's funny. Um, I got a, uh, I spoke to um, one of my cousins the other day and he was like yo man when you guys getting back to it and i'm like we 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 we, we drop every other week man <laughs> but apparently <laughs> it feels like we've been on a hiatus to some i don't know what happened Ooh, but uh consistent yeah yeah week. i don't know if that means the streets are calling for a weekly pod now i don't know what that <laughs> means we'll, we'll, we'll have to address that in new year though <laughs> i don't know if, i don't know if i'm ready for that yet yeah well, yeah, we'll see, but we always got stuff to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say, um, you know, we talk a lot on the pod about, you know, the delay in, you know, when things drop versus when we record them. So we're not a current events podcast, you know, absolutely. because we're not going to talk about the thing that happened on Wednesday and then it comes out on Thursday. That's not what we do. However, when something happens in our society or in the culture that is a major thing that is a shift or major happening that cannot be ignored no matter when it's addressed we have to address it and we've been unfortunate to have a number of those things happen <laughs> in between our last podcast recordings and so here we are now this episode is 100% dedicated to the memory, the legacy of MF Doom, a.k.a. Zev Love X. A.k.a. Daniel Dumoulet. A.k.a. Daniel Dumoulet. A.k.a. Victor Vaughn, a.k.a. King Ghidorah. A.k.a. The Villain. The Villain. Yeah, so Doom, one of my absolute favorites of all time, easily in my top five MCs. When yes. Dave and I, earlier this year, we did the 20 albums in 20 years challenge. You were supposed to put down your favorite album from each of the past 20 years. And I looked back through, and Doom had a quarter of mine. He had showed five up out several of, times. Out of 20, yeah. <laughs> he showed up several times. So that's Doom, that's King Ghidra, that's Victor Vaughn, that's Mad Villain. Yeah, all over the place. So yeah, it's a big loss for the culture, you know, big loss to all those who knew Doom and loved Doom. He passed away apparently on Halloween this year. Right. And word didn't get out, there was no announcement until New Year's Eve. Right. His wife, everyone, everyone you know, kind of agreed that that was the most doomed thing. That's it. To yeah. have happened. <laughs> In the you know year I mean? when everybody's wearing masks. Yeah. And yeah. leave on Halloween. Yeah. 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 Amazing. So, I mean, 
you know, we, I text, I sent you a text actually when, um, after we lost ecstasy from Houdini and, um, I said something to the effect of like, you know, we're going to have to do a better job of really giving these flowers to, you know, our heroes while they're still here. And I can say this podcast has discussed doom several times. (laughs) And so I think, you know, in particular, your affinity for doom has been well expressed in this podcast. So we don't need, we're not coming on here kind of like, (laughs) Oh man, MF doom died. Let's talk about how great he is now. You know what I mean? But, I think it's important for, you know, a lot of folks who, and I I just like the perspective because you were like a, you know, people are like, they don't know who Doom is. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, I know Doom. And then they're like the fanatics. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I fall in that middle group of like, yeah, I know Doom. I know Doom's dope. You know what I'm saying? Like I've Mm -hmm. heard, much of his music in passing, but I was not like I have every Doom project, <laughs> and you know what I mean, kind of got from the other camp, and you're you know, in the I'm other, camp. There. you're, yeah, you're in the other camp. But I recognize who and what he is, and I mean, you know, obviously from the KMD era of things, I, you know, what I mean, I was hip from the beginning, so. It's important, I think, for those who are who may now be discovering. I mean, I think his streams went up like eight hundred and seventy percent or something. Yeah, he went insane. into the top ten with the couple yeah, projects. Yeah. So, you know, and hey, no one more deserving to be discovered. You know, whether it's in death or not, than than Doom. You know what I mean? So and if I you're encourage. Just now hearing about Doom, you know, if you you just heard about him today, just heard about him on New Year's Eve, go for it. I mean, yeah, nothing at all wrong with discovering him at this point. Um, yeah. Support his family, buy his merch. You can buy it straight through gasdraws.com. Which if you is can find place. anything. It's gone. That's true. The yeah. show's been pretty bad. <laughs> true. Yeah, so yeah. kind of to back up to the beginning of the story, I guess. I mean, I well, first of all, I'll say that not only am I a fanatic, I'm a scholar of Doom. I wrote about him way back when I did my doctoral dissertation. Right. Um, so back in 2002, 2003, I published an article on Doom. Um, ended up sort of morphing into part of my dissertation that, that I finished in 2005. So I've been writing about Doom for a long time. And I've brought in guest speakers and interviewed folks who work with them really closely. I interviewed Count Bastie, who we'll, we'll hear from a little bit later in the pod today. Nice. Um, I brought in MF Grum, who you was did. Doom's manager back in the KMD days mm. and his partner, um, he was all over that first Operation Doomsday album that Doom put out. Right. Um, he was, he was there MF for before, a lot of recording. He was MF before Doom was MF. He was the first MF, that's true. <laughs> Mad Flow was grim and then Doom flipped it to Metal Fingers. Mm-hmm. And then I worked, I brought in Prince Paul. You were there for that one, Dave. You were, I brought in Prince Paul as a guest speaker for one of my classes. And of course, he produced the gas face for third base, yeah. which was the Our first, first, the first time, appearance. Yeah. The first time I heard Doom for sure. That's and what I we think would it's say on, on wax. On wax. 
<laughs> and he was Zev Love X. He had, yeah. I think, the third verse on that song, the one I always waited for. Yep. A gas face could either be a smile or a smirk. That's it. And uh, Zev Love X gave it the first life. Mm -hmm. Be nice says on that song, right? So he came mm -hmm. up with the gas face. So what I wanted to do. Go for oh, it. No, go ahead. I was, was going to say to take him back, take us back to the beginning of Doom's career as Zev Love X. Where were you thinking of taking it? I was going to defer to you and just let mm -hmm. you give us a history lesson on Doom. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so we're on, we're the, on the same page here. So yeah, you jump in too because you know a lot of the early KMD history for sure, and I'm sure you you can fill in some gaps as we go too. But sure thing. Doom started you're, out. You're a Doom scholar, so I want to I want to leverage yeah. our Doom scholar. Doom scholar. That's a lot of pressure, though. I can't believe I, I wrote the, my stuff. You man. wrote the dissertation, man. <laughs> That's true. I wrote what I think was probably the first academic journal article I saw on MF Doom. Wow. Now, somebody may have beat me to it, but if it's out there in an academic journal before mine, I don't know of it. So hey. I believe I was the first. We're claiming it. You, you disclaim it. I'm my man yeah, wrote the first. Way. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody wants to take me down, you can let me know. Let's see if you can prove it, right? <laughs> so, yeah, Doom started out as Zev Love X. Um, or actually, before that, he was part of a crew with MC Search, who went on to found third base. Mm -hmm. So, even before Zev Love X and KMD, Doom was active in the hip hop scene um, with like Curious George, right? And Search from third base with some other New York luminaries i guess you could say right um his first group though was kmd yes um, he performed with his brother sub rock his little brother and, sub rock and, and onyx. onyx the yep. birthstone kid yep so i know dave was a big fan of kmd i did like kmd and their I first album like mr hood came mr. out in hood. what 1990 i believe 91 91 okay 91? right in there yeah and sort of the Doom saga starts with the follow-up album. Yes. So KMD had this album, Mr. Hood, out. And they were just about to release on Electra Records their follow-up, their sophomore effort, which was called Black Bastards. Black Bastards, yeah. They even had the cover art ready to go. And now that's where they ran into some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so... In between the two albums releases, which the second one didn't actually get released for quite a while because it right. was shelved because right. of the cover art. But Sub Rock was tragically killed. He was crossing the BQE, I believe, and got hit by a car. Yeah, I believe that's the story. That's the story. Um, Brian Coleman has written about his death. He's interviewed a lot of people who were involved and there with Sub Rock and Doom at the time. And, you know, there's a lot of different circumstances surrounding it, but the short answer is he got hit by a car and he was killed. And this was Doom's brother, his partner in KMD. And then within a matter of a few weeks after Sub Rock's death, Electra called Doom in to talk about the cover art for Black Bastards. Mm -hmm. um, and this was, you know, the album he'd recorded with his brother that they were ready to release. Everything was set to go. And then Electra says, we have a problem with this cover art. And I'm sure, Dave, you remember the cover art. I do. Um, <laughs> I believe it was a, a a theme that we've brought up 
um, mm -hmm. in previous episodes, right? Like a Sambo themed kind of. Yeah. yeah. It was the uh, sort of the icon or the character for KMD that used it on the first album. Right. Um, Doom had actually drawn it himself. In this cover, though, they had him in a hangman's gallows. Yeah. But they had it set up like a little sketch, like you would play the, the word game, Hangman. Right. And the title of the album was Black Bastards. And as the little icon figure, the Sambo figure was hanging, it had Black Bastards spelled out as if you were playing the game of Hangman. Um, <laughs> and Doom has said in interviews that that was part of the statement, that, you know, if the game is dangerous, as he says all over his albums, and if you get something wrong, you could lose and lose right. a bit. Right. So Elektra didn't like the cover art. Rather than simply changing it, they decided to shelve the album altogether. Right. So this album Doom had worked on with his brother, um, their last recordings together. They did let him walk away with it. They said, you can even have it. You can take it <laughs> home. <laughs> yeah. We don't want it. Yeah, but and I but I think um, it's worth mentioning, and like I said, we've talked about this before. Um, I believe in the episode where we had Steve on here, and we talked about that shift. Now we're talking like around ninety four mm -hmm. or so, right? So the sound was changing, and I, I I think that the um, the powers that be, you know, at these uh, major labels, I'm guessing probably didn't really see the the value in KMD as a you know commodity at that point. So they dropped them, right? Dropped them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They seemed like they were making a political statement. Yeah. Um, they seemed somewhat militant with this Black Bastards album cover and theme and the artwork. And this was in the wake of, you know, Body Count and Ice-T's Cop Killer. Mm -hmm. This was in the wake of uh, Paris's songs like Coffee, Donuts, and Death, and Bush Killer. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of heat from all the way up to the FBI. Mm -hmm. you know, of course, we can throw NWA and Fuck the Police into the mix. Right. But there was a lot of heat on major label hip-hop. And a lot of people lost their deals. Mm. And what kind of happened is that the violence stayed. The violence wasn't the problem. It just became black-on-black -black violence. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it, right? Yeah, 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 because that's acceptable, but, you know, like we've spoken on before. So mm -hmm. this, now he's lost his brother and he's lost his record deal. That's it. And he just sort of disappears for a while. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot in the way of tributes to Subrock. Right. You know, typically hip hop stops and mourns its fallen. Right. Um, Subrock was one of the guys who kind of fell through the cracks. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't really see a lot of mentions of it in hip hop magazines. Definitely no mentions on MTV. If they were, they were very sparse, very few, far between. Right. Um, so Doom even feels like nobody cares. You know, nobody even remembers. Right. So he's lost his brother, he's lost his group, he's lost his record deal, and he just sort of fades out of the picture. But then, right. he comes back as MF Doom. And he starts performing, he's got a stocking over his face. He doesn't have the mask yet that he becomes known for later. Mm -hmm. 
but he shows up in New York at places like the New Yorican Cafe. Right. And people kind of sort of know, right? This is Seven Little You know, it's it's kind of an open secret among hip hop fans, right? And, right? and people who had known him before as Zev Love X, right. like, oh, so he's back, but he's he's a different guy now. He's got a different name. He's got a different sound. Right. Um, it's much darker, uh, much more kind of villainous. You know, there's right. this kind of like eerie villainous hint to all the songs on that first album operation i would say i would say even his pitch was um it was different he was more of a high pitch rapper as zev love x yeah and doom kind of you know had a raspier kind of that's right delivery yeah he's aged a couple years he's put on some weight Zev Love X was a skinny dude, and Doom comes back with some weight on him, right? He sounds right. a little more like Biggie. Right. Comes back, he's bassier, raspier. Um, definitely has changed up his flows. You know, mm-hmm. if you listen to, to KMD and the way Zev Love X raps, you can hear a hint of that on some of the songs cool. in that first M Up Doom album. Yeah. But for the most part, he's really switched up his style. And I, I think so. It's also in that space, it's important to, um, you know, we often acknowledge like New York hip hop royalty, you know, um, Bobito from the um, stretching um, Bobito uh, show, a world yep. famous show that broke a lot of artists, probably KMD included. Um, and he did a deal with. MF Doom for those first couple singles on his uh, Fondalum records. That's They're right. also, I think, what the Juggernauts were, were, were also on that label. A few mm-hmm. um, Mick, Mickey's probably other favorite groups. Um, <laughs> Good yeah, it was. And so, yeah, he emerges, I believe, with uh, is it the um, All Caps? Which were the first two? Oh, I think Hey was first. Hey and, uh, was first. Yeah. All caps was later on Madville. You're right. Yeah, there was Hey, there was Gas Draws, and there was Dead Bent. I think those were some of the first singles. Okay, okay, yeah. And that kind of was the reintroduction or the introduction of Doom. That's right. As a, um, as a you know, as a character and as, as an artist. And the mask is a key part of it. Yeah. You know, he developed the mask over a couple of years. You know, at first it was just like a stocking over his face. Right. But um, he wanted to make a clean break with the earlier identity. He didn't want to be Zev Love X anymore. Um, he felt so burned by the whole experience, his label dropping him, you know, losing his brother, losing the record deal. And he came back to take his revenge mm. on the industry. He came to destroy rap, as he says on one of those Doom tracks on Operation Doomsday. So he came back as a villain, and he based a lot of this identity around Dr. Doom. Right. Who is a legendary uh, Marvel Comics character, mortal enemy to the Fantastic Four. And nice on the mic. Yeah, nice on the (laughs) mic, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, so Doom comes back modeling himself, or at least the way he looks with this mask on stage after this comic book villain who was injured in an experiment that blew up in his face and has Mm -hmm. to wear a mask to hide these wounds. Right. 
So there's this whole mythology that Doom creates around himself. And um But it's very it's very, you know, symbolic of what he was dealing with in, in real life. Absolutely. And so the you know, the character, you know, the personification of, of the character is very like metaphorical. Definitely. Yeah, you know, when, when Prince Paul came and spoke to my class at Ryder, you know, he talked about Doom a little bit. And he said, you know, he'd never seen anybody in hip hop reinvent themselves like that. Yeah. Just become like a whole new artist. Yeah. Develop a whole new story, a whole new mythology, and just kind of blow everybody's minds. He had disappeared for five or six years, basically. And then here he was back as this whole new guy. So talk about, um, I mean, you, 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 you gave us some of your favorite, um, favorite albums, I guess, talk about, because I think that, you know, things sometimes take, I was telling somebody the other day, like, um, what is become, you know, we talk about the kind of Griselda led movement of like underground hip hop currently, you know, the Mac Homies, the God Fahims and all of these guys who are kind of, you know, uh, 38 special, just all of these like underground um, self, you know, determined <laughs> DIY kind of, cliques and um labels and groups and individual artists who are selling their merch and just doing the whole thing kind of outside of the uh traditional industry yeah and we often talk about um rock marciano's kind of early influence on some of the guys who are involved now but i would you know, without speaking for Rock Mars, I would be pretty certain that Doom was an influence on him. Oh, and, absolutely. You know, as someone who was plugged into the machine, who kind of left the machine, became anti machine, and created like one of the first, if not the first, movements of kind of DIY. I'm using the internet direct to consumer yeah merch music vinyl you know these things that would come like collectors yep. items he was really kind of the the pioneer of that yeah, think, side of the game and if, if anything and, and hieroglyphics true yeah. you know what I mean if if anything that he was going to be kind of you know, put into GOAT status for, besides just, you know, the actual flow and the, you know, just, just, just the, the way he put the music together, what he did. That, to me, is maybe the biggest contribution. Yeah, and you know, the merch came later. Yeah. You know, early on, it was just straight records. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't know, you see a guy on a stage in a mask and you think, okay, this is a gimmick. He's obviously trying to get his image out there, create this legend about himself. He's obviously trying to get a big record deal. Right. And I don't really think he shied away from, from admitting that either. Oh, yeah. Down the road. I mean, yeah. when he worked with Cartoon Network and stuff. But um, it wasn't a gimmick to him. 
Right. You know, this uh, identity he created, this whole mythology he created, was really like the story of having been burned by like this this record industry, this desire for stardom. Mm-hmm. And he took it out not only on the industry, but on the fans. Mm. You know, he, was, he bragged about screwing over fans and ripping off fans in so many rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> he plot shows like robberies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, it, it, it went into the villain persona. I mean, it's a brilliant, you know, when you talk about, you know, marketing and just finding a way to compete, mm-hmm. you know, like, again, outside of the machine. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant marketing tool. Yeah, and he really latched on to like the spirit of the times. You know, as I said, a lot of rappers had lost their deals around that same time. A lot Mm -hmm. of them, you know, had come back in some form before Doom. You know, all the Hyro guys had had major label deals and sort of formed this consortium or Hyro Imperium where they could do it all themselves and keep it in house. Right. But the way Doom took a full step back for years it was just the sense that he'd been plotting this reemergence and this revenge he was going to take. Right. Right. And with that, yeah, in that same space, like you're talking about, that came like the, the stones throws in the um, LP from company flow where they had rhyme sayers. You had, you know, just this emergence of these small boutique record labels, fat beats, Sure. Emerges with as Def a distributor. Def Jokes. I'm Steers out of Minneapolis. Correct, correct, correct. Um, so, you know, he you know, he starts doing these little deals, like we said, starting with the um, Bobito Fondalum deal. Then he hooks up with Peter Butterwolf, right? And he does the, uh, he gets introduced to Madlib. Yep. And, and they, they, they work on the... Um, Mad Villainy 1, which apparently there's a part two. There's a part two that exists in some form out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know when and where it'll be released. Um, everybody's mm-hmm. leaving that up to Doom's family. Everybody's being really respectful. But they're sure Doom had some kind of plan for recordings we have heard. Yeah, I heard an um, interview with uh, Peanut Butter Wolf on um, Rosenberg and Cypher Sounds podcast that he talked okay. about just you know having having the music and actually like you know doom just continuously saying i got a couple more songs it's not ready yet i got a couple more songs it's not ready yet and you know he says in in many ways he kind of wished he had forced his hand a little bit more like he had kind of but at the same token you know like you said um they have it and it's really up to the family but it's yeah. not so much, it's not like the, no disrespect, but some of the biggie stuff that's like they're just grabbing mm-hmm. acapellas and throwing them on beats with other artists that he never worked with and just creating these like posthumous albums. This is actual work that he worked on. And for one reason or another, he wasn't ready to drop yet. Yeah, these are songs that have been recorded. His songs. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, if, to flash forward to the end of Doom's life, and then we'll circle back around to the music. Mm-hmm. Um, the end of his life is just sort of mysterious and definitely very tragic. Um, he had been deported 
or at least not allowed back into the U.S. He was born in the U.K. He was born Correct. in England. Um, and he had never, I guess, gone through the naturalization citizenship process, whatever, as a kid. You know, he'd lived right. in the U.S. Many, since of us, was, many of us don't. Yeah. And um, 21 yeah. Savage for the modern hip-hop fans go. is going through <laughs> a similar thing. Yep. Slick Another Rick has guy. also been deported. Or yep, not let back, not let pardoned, back in, right? not let back into the country. Yeah, until he was pardoned yeah. by um, New York um, State's uh, former governor. Yeah, David Patterson. Man's name. Yep, Patterson. Yep. Mm -hmm. I was going to say the blind yeah, guy, but that's been, not. Yeah. <laughs> so Doom had been out of the country. You know, he was living in the UK for a while. He was living in Cuba for a while. Nobody, I've never heard anybody exactly say where he was at the time of his death. Now, I don't he, think many people had access to him. <laughs> he was back off the radar, right? Yeah, yeah. And something I hadn't realized until reports of his death came out is that he had lost a 14-year-old son. Right, right. Back I heard in that 2017. Too. Yeah, I heard okay. that too. His son Malachi. Yeah. Um, and you can imagine with the reaction and the response that Doom had to the loss of his brother at a young age, how this just brought back this, I don't know, this flood of tragedy mm -hmm. into his mind state. So uh, he's... He had sort of gone underground again, you know, just like he'd gone off the radar after the death of his brother. You hadn't heard much directly from Doom since mm -hmm. the death of his son. So um, there's been no cause of death released. You know, his, his widow just put out a very brief, direct statement that he had transitioned on October 31st, 2020. Yeah. And that may be all the information we get. And like I said, in the, in, in the memory of Doom, just let it be that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let it be that. Yeah, the man was very that's how, private. That's how a villain respected. that's how a villain would that's how a villain would go out, you know? Just let it be that. He's gone. You let have the music. That. Yeah. 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 So way back in two thousand four to kind of circle back to Doom's music. Um, this was when I was already writing about Doom. I interviewed a rapper and producer, Count Basie, who at the mm -hmm. time was living in Nashville. I believe he's in Atlanta at this point. Um, and he spoke to me about recording a track on his album, Dwight Spitz, with MF Doom. So right. if we could pull up that audio, Anthony, here's a, a couple excerpts from my 2004 interview with Count Basie. And this is actually a piece that I've never released before. You know, my approach to lyric writing, actually for Dwight Spitz, half of it, I don't even know the songs that I, there was, there's the songs up to the point where we did Quite Buttery with Doom, and there's the songs after I did Quite Buttery with Doom, because that was just a complete, you know, education for me that evening, you know, you know, Doom proceeded to completely drink me under the table first, and as I laid there in a stupor, you know, you know, just bear witness on how the whole how this process takes place you know it's like he said on Matt Villain he's been making music since he was a minor you know had a record deal since he was a minor and Doom is older than me so you know it's a situation where you know that was just prowess at that point you know and so I haven't really been the same since you know I haven't been the same since so when you guys got together, did did you lay down the beats first? Is that usually how you work, or 
No, I had a beat. When I did that beat, um, I just knew it was doom, you know. Um, we had recently gotten back in touch because I've known I've known of Doom and he's known of me since we kind of worked in the same camp with Pete Nice. Pete Nice managed KMD and I was signed to his label Hoppo with Curious George, and this was in '94. And uh, you know, it was just funny because I remember one of the first things Pete was telling me was that you know how Doom was the only other person he knew would use you know jack kevorkian in one of his songs and i had done it too so he was like yeah you guys should really get together but for some reason him and bob you know just wouldn't just never could link up like that and then you know because years a little earlier than that you know doom's brother you know had passed so um you know it was just it's just been a mess but you know, we finally connected back together. Some people just got in touch with me. Said Doom wants to, you know, find me again. Blah blah blah. You know, I came down to Atlanta with my machine with a beat with the beat in it, and I said, "This is what I got." You know, I got another beat and whatnot, but this is the one I really think you know fits you. And he was like, "Yeah, I think I can work with that." Just real matter of factly, and we just sat there, you know, participated in various vices, and um, you know, by the time I. I I passed out. By the time I, I was coming to, I could just see him recording the vocal, but I just couldn't st- stay awake long enough to fully watch it. But, you know, next thing I know, Doom disappeared. And uh, the guy who was with me just tapped me on the shoulder and was like, all right, he's finished. Grab your machine. Let's go. And that was it. You know, he didn't lead us out the door or nothing. You know, he just was vanished. And we were just in his basement with all his equipment. We just saw ourselves out, you know. <laughs> It's crazy. It's real crazy. That's how it's working with Doom, though. You know, Buck Wild. That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the villain just vanishes into the ether. It it sounds like at his at his own place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) He's just gone. Oh man. And I've heard a few people tell that kind of a doom story where just at some point, you know, you're with him for a couple of days, a couple of hours, whatever it is, and then he's just gone. <laughs> mm. Talk about the, uh, you know, kind of the infamous um, imposter at the shows thing. The doom posters. Yeah. The doom, so posters. doom decided he was never that into playing shows as MF Doom. And he believed that the image, the mask, just seeing a body on stage with this mask was MF Doom. (laughs) And so he didn't have to be there. Um, He had sort of long been involved with ripping off promoters, ripping off ticket holders. Um, Sort of par for the course. Almost like if you bought a Wu-Tang ticket, you could assume that maybe you'd see four members of Wu-Tang Clan. If you were lucky, you might get six or seven, but there was no guarantee you were getting all nine Wu-Tang members. Right. Especially, you know, you couldn't count on ODB. You couldn't count on Ghostface sometimes. If he set up a Ghostface show across town for himself, he wasn't coming to the Wu-Tang show. And (laughs) when you bought a ticket to a Doom show, you knew it was a risk. (laughs) So at some point, he started to send out imposters. And in a lot of ways, it was a real fuck you to the promoters and the ticket holders, but in a playful kind of way. Um, He Mm -hmm. was keeping your money. You you know, you weren't getting your money back, but you were supposed to realize like, oh, my God, this tall, skinny guy in the mask looks nothing like Doom. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so it was supposed to be very obvious when you were seeing an imposter. He said he might send out a white guy. Um, <laughs> there's all these legends of him like sending out somebody who looked nothing like him. Wow. Um, way taller, way skinnier, white. Um, it's clear <laughs> to you that you're seeing some random person in an MF Doom mask pretending to be MF Doom on stage. So my own story is I saw a Doom or a Doom posture at Rock the Bells in, at Randall's Island, New York. Um, it depends on who you ask. You know, when I was there in the crowd, I thought it was Doom. You know, I went knowing we could get a Doom posture. I went knowing it could just be shut down and I'd lose my money. But the whole show, most deaf and Talib Kweli were watching from the side of the stage. Um, and they were just loving it. You know? so, <laughs> so if this was a Doom posture, he fooled them as much as he fooled me. Uh, Talib got on stage with them and did one of their songs off the Malice and the Mask. So Talib could have performed beside a doom poster. Um, if so, I'm not sure he was in on the joke. <laughs> I think if doom got us, he got us all. Um, a, a couple of things that really made me think it was doom is Wu-Tang actually was at the same festival on the main stage and doom was on the second stage. Okay. And the moment Wu-Tang came on, doom was done. <laughs> uh, cut it off abruptly early was just done um, that and the fact that most and Talib were there just vibing right at the side of the stage made me think at the time that it really was doomed but looking back I don't know you know I looked through some of the the YouTube footage from that show in the comments people are certain in the comments that it's an imposter mm. but if you look at almost any footage of doom on stage people in the comments are certain it's an imposter which you know that became part of the mystique as well <laughs> just people right. guessing whether it was an imposter or not yeah definitely yeah so even though i'm probably more of a doom fan than you or undisputably more of a doom fan than you what were you your some some of your favorite songs of his or you some of your favorite moments from his career um you know like i told you uh what we talked about uh, i definitely you know the early stuff, you know, the nitty gritties and mm -hmm. um, thunder and lightning was like my shit. No. <laughs> um, there's a nitty gritty remix with um, Buster Rhymes and, and um, Brand Nubian. And these are all KMD releases. These are KMD records, yeah. Then um, once we get into the Doom, like I said, I I got them as they came, so like accordion, you know. Um, all caps. Um, what's the um, Scooby Doo one? Hey. Okay. Right. Hey. Yeah. See, that's that's, that's like one of that's like one of my favorites. Um, I'm into the entire. Uh, see, and I'm like a late Doom guy in terms of like consuming whole albums. So, Born Like This is like, I love that album. That's a cool but album. That's it's not even that's not even in your top whatchamacallit. <laughs> as good as that album is, I loved everything that came before it so much that it was kind of a disappointment to me. See, but there you go. But I also you see, and this is where, you know, like 
because I've heard other people kind of um, have this conversation about Doom as well. Like some of the, some of like the more uh, rhythmic rhyme schemes, like are like my favorite songs where I know some of the like completely off kind of kiltered stuff is like the best stuff, you know, mm-hmm. by most of his fans. But I like the stuff where he's just kind of, I guess maybe he's more Zev Love mm-hmm. than Doom. So when he's like really like flowing and and, and on beat <laughs> and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. that's kind of the stuff that I really like. That's- Some of the work he did with Ghosts. Yeah, which that album Both never face. came out either. Yeah, that album no never surfaced. There's but three would, or four tracks you could Yeah, find. he would show up. Yeah, and I, I liked all of those. Um, I mean, recently he had he he had collaborated with um, West Side Gun in the last few mm-hmm. years as well. Um, so, yeah, I've, you know, like when I hear it, I like it. Like when you play it, I go, oh, that was my shit. What was that? And you're like, yeah. oh, no, that was this from this album. Like, I'm not the I know this song from that album. I just know the catalog throughout the years. Like, I know, okay, that's the stuff with Madlib. Okay, cool. Got that. I like that stuff. But I'm not I'm not versed in, like, the this song from this album from this year, the way I am with, you know, some of my other some of my other favorites. But um, in general. He's got a catalog. Yeah, he's got an extensive catalog. And, and, and I'm a fan. I, you know what I mean? I'm a fan. I haven't. I can't say I've really heard a Doom song I didn't like. So, mm-hmm. um, he did a um, a remix of uh, Nas's um, Nostradamus album, and there's a uh, there's a song on there, Project Windows, mm-hmm. which is. Um, and it's like you know, it's a Doom remix, I, and I, that's one of my favorites too. I mean, he's not so rapping on it; that's just like, a beat. Yeah, it's all Nas verses over Doom beats. Correct. And there's the Ma Doom album that Master Ace created with Doom yep. beats. He got Doom yep. permission. Doom has a guest verse on one track. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of those projects out there. Sort of, I don't know. His whole idea of revenge on the industry. He was still an easy guy to work with in a lot of ways. Like right, Master Ace approached him and said, "I want to do this album." He's like, "Cool, go for it." But that's, I mean, that's Master Ace also. So that's true. You know. <laughs> he's, he's laid the groundwork, right? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Master Ace tells that story that he kind of just did it, and yeah. then <laughs> went and back and said, like, "Hey, cool, cool. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah." So that's 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 dope. That's dope. That's dope. Now, what are you, what are your favorites? Because you'll know the names and what albums they came from and stuff like that. So give me maybe your, you know, or give not well me and the listeners like your yeah, top five sure. or top ten. So I'm gonna put up the playlist. I'll put up a link to it um, when we when we publish the podcast. Perfect. Yeah, I sent Dave some of my favorites. I think my top ten or eleven from just all across Doom's career. And that goes from early Doom tracks like My Favorite Ladies and Hey, right. um, through some King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah's right. album, Take Me to Your Leader, it's got a lot of filler on it, and it's got a lot of Doom's crew from the Monster Island Czars who a little hit and miss. But right. there's seven or eight tracks on that album that are just mind-blowing. 
And that was the one he did on Nature Sounds back in like 2002, 2003. Um, okay. Got a couple of Victor Vaughn tracks on there for sure. I think I only put on one Mad Villain track because I kind of feel like people have heard Mad Villain. Right. And I left off all the mouse and the mask that he did with Danger Mouse. Just because I feel like mouse. People, people have definitely heard of that. Right. Yeah. There's one Victor Vaughn track off the second Victor Vaughn album, which I really like. It's called Fall Back. And it's okay. got this really nice couplet. She wore a thong in her youth. These days, she's a bit long in the tooth. <laughs> I, I know that one. <laughs> I know that one. I think that's a good rhyme. It's a good rhyme. Um, Which is the one with the Sade of Sade and um, it's like the beat is Karis One Poetry, and the um, the sample is kind of well, they're both sampled, but the sample over it is like um, Sweetest Sade. Tabby. Yeah, that's the first track off Operation Doomsday. Ah, okay, and that's early. Yeah, is that rhymes like dimes? Is that the one you're thinking of? It's got Sade's Sweetest Taboo. Is it Swedish Taboo or is it uh, Kiss of Life? I'm a, I, I'm a Sade stan. So. See? <laughs> yeah, you may, be, you may be right on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think that is, I think that is, I think that is Rhymes Like Dimes. I think that's Rhymes Like Dimes. Yeah, that was another really early one off the first yeah. time. And yeah. you mentioned, hey, I think we both mentioned it a couple of times. That was, that was kind of the first big breakout hit. I think, hey, was the first track I heard from Doom. Okay. Um, I'm not sure that was the very first release, but it was one of the first 12 inches and the first I heard. And so I've always had this theory about Hey, and I have no way of confirming it. I haven't seen anybody else say this, but in Hey, Doom takes this Scooby-Doo Yelp sample and he sort of splices it throughout the song in these sort of awkward ways inserted behind his rhymes. And it always seemed to me since this song was kind of announcing his return to destroy rap and come back as the villain, it seemed to me that he was taking a dig at Puffy's ad libs with this Scooby Doo Yelp. So <laughs> yeah, you did tell you did tell me that theory. That's an interesting theory. That's my theory here. So if we can pull that one up, Anthony, I think if we start this MF Doom track, hey, right at the twenty-four second mark, you'll hear this Scooby Doo Yelp in the background. And to me, it sounds like he's sort of goofing on Puff Daddy, the way he sounded on his ad-libs on all the uh, Biggie songs. All right. I only play the games that I win at and stay the same with more rhymes and it's ways to skin cats. As a matter of fact, let me rephrase. With more rhymes and ways to fill a felines in these days. Watch the path of the black one. Super villain who wrecks clubs and dealt in the drunken stupid. So those Scooby-Doo yelps. I think is Doom kind of goofing on Puff Daddy. Oh, man. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I could be wrong, but I always kind of listen to it that way. And once I once that idea came to me, I can't get it out of my head when I hear that song. That's interesting. You see, and now like this, <laughs> this, this one here is like one of my favorites, but this is like later Doom, right? So. Yeah. Villain man, never ran with crows in his hand and won't stop rocking till he clocked in a gazillion grand. Tilling the wasteland sands, wraps on backs of treasure maps, stacks to the ceiling fan. He rests on these ashes, ask him after ten miles of his glasses, smashes, stashes. Chip on his shoulder with a slip on holster, a clip, a folder, and his grip on a boulder, boaster they supposed to know. The show with his See, but, you know, it's still in here. 
Yeah, that's gazillionaire. But yeah. you know, I think it's that's the um, yeah, it's the you know, it's the it's the it's the the swordsman stuff. It's the rapping, like you know what I mean. I'm you know, I, I guess I'm an MC, so it's like the the anything that has the sometimes he's in like top notch because I think what'll happen now and you know what I mean as he gets more notoriety I think people will start to hear where some of their favorite people were borrowing cadences and flows and things of that nature he's one of the best rappers ever absolutely but I think you know his eclecticness and the you know like the the gimmick of the mask and the whole character behind it it becomes larger than you know but then the skill is there super there and um you know he's yeah he's, he's some of your favorite rappers favorite rapper you know what I mean for sure we're talking um most deaf who's kind of been documented over the years, <laughs> you know, expressing his, his fandom. Um, Andre 3000 has uh, expressed the same. Um, Tyler, Sweat the creator, Earl yeah. Sweatshirt. Yeah, That's yeah, cool. yeah. And that'll always be that that moment where I'm in, down on the front of the stage with my wife and I, I see Doom and Taleb watching Doom on stage from the side. I sort of lock eyes with most for just a second. We're just both loving it. You know, you just see <laughs> yeah. another MC I really admire, just totally spazzing out, just fanboying over MF Doom. Yeah. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, we encourage everyone, man, just, you know, lock in tap in do, you know, listen to, listen to pick, you know, listen to as much as you can, you know, and, and, you know, just learn not, you know, just because he's going on, but because, you know, like, yeah, you you know, you <laughs> because of how this thing works with the, with the, with who has marketing dollars and who's able to, you know, beat you over the head 80 times a day with their song on commercial, uh, you know, radio or, or you know, who has access to playlists and stuff like that. We, you know, we're getting get cheated sometimes off of especially in that time period now things are a little different but he was in that gap when you know it was very much industry dominated definitely and um so you know a lot of us missed out on yeah one of the best to ever do it and he was there for so many eras i mean like Mm -hmm. you said he was just on a west side gun track and i mean you go all the way back he's working with third base Prince Paul and Brand Nubian and Buster mm-hmm. Rhymes back when he was in later in the new school. Correct. I mean, to to see an MC who was really just at the top of his game mm-hmm. in so many different eras, MC and producer. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, if, if you put out a list of the the best rhymers among producers, I mean, Doom top two. I can't argue. Yeah, he's definitely up there. Yeah, so much to discover. This playlist I'm going to link to on the podcast site will introduce you to some of my favorites. But, you know, each one you click on is going to lead you to more songs from those albums and more songs from those eras. And there's so much out there to listen to. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I think we can wrap, man. 
Yeah. Um, Do you have a song you wanted to rap with? I I just today and today means nothing, obviously, because we talk about that all the time. Right. But um, one of my partners, Juxtapose, shout out to Juxtapose from Jersey, sent me a new joint that he did that is a dedication hmm. to the great because he he was a he was a doomer cool. for sure um so this is juxtaposed to close us out with um stanley ipkiss you know, it's like pain in life. Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna have the painful shit, so called. Pain is another feeling. It's another feeling. I've been doing since a shorty. Life could get so toughy. Way before Ricky and Morty, I had enough. See, mad science dropping extra large for my garments. Tarnish the topics if they not honest. Mmm, food. You knew I was starving since Operation D-Day. Yo, I've been on it. Greenbacks, etc. for the vinyl retail. So rhymes like dimes till I upped it to weight sales. I made bail previous to the reform. I was dead bent on making this song. All along had the gas face, gas draws when your girl's draws. Still, I hit the finest TikTok. I'm gone. Peace the hoes got cakes and writers with papes. No cap, it's all caps according to your taste. Metal face, it's a raid. The endless villains, I like special herbs in my rap. All fair. That was Stanley Ipkiss by Wally Thrasher, a.k.a. my man Juxtapose. Nice. To close us out, man. Yeah, yeah, real dope dedication, man. Way to close it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once again, we are here. Mourning the loss of another hip-hop legend. This is happening way too often. Um, here we go. You know what I mean? This has been another one. Guest in the House podcast. I am Trom Diggs, a.k.a. David Shanks. I'm Mickey Hats. Peace and love, y'all. Stay safe. If this culture was mixed with another culture, you know what I'm saying?